0: Hello my name is Tom Boone
1: and I'm Joanna Bailey.
0: Welcome to our 79th episode of the Simple Flying podcast where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we have for you this week.
1: Coming up today Tom will see what's the latest with Qatar's A350 conflict while I review Etihad's first half results.
0: I'll see what the outlook is for the A380, while Joe explains what we can expect from Café Pacific's new narrowbody operations.
1: Finally, Tom will tell us how a hand grenade led to a flight delay at Frankfurt Airport.
0: So now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. And I'm not necessarily excited, but I want to start by talking about Qatar Airways, because grounding a fleet of aircraft is big news. Um, yeah, And, you know, we've seen sort of drama brewing between Qatar Airways and Airbus for quite some time now. And there's been some really strong words coming from Akbar Al-Baker. But the situation kind of came to a head last week as Al-Baker revealed that 13 of his A350s have now been grounded by the Qatari Civil Aviation Authority. So to start this, let's back right up to the start of the story. And basically, um, things really kicked off in late 2020 with... Um, You know, Qatar Airways is the proud sponsor of the 2022 Doha World Cup in December. So I'm looking forward to Christmas mince pies, uh, Christmas markets, watching the football. But um, that's another (laughs) story for a different themed podcast. Um, (laughs) And basically, they wanted to show off their, um, their sponsorship by decorating an A350 in a bespoke livery. So they took the plane out of service and flew it to a paint shop in Ireland. This is where the story starts to turn around and become a bit ugly. So um, when the paint was taken off the aircraft, obviously the aircraft looked a bit ugly, um, but something unexpected was discovered and it turned out that the aircraft had surface anomalies that weren't visible with the paint on top of them. And at the time, Airbus told us that these were superficial, cosmetic and only visible when the top coat of paint is stripped. Um, So like not really... um,
1: Not fundamental to the the safety of the plane.
0: yeah. Um, But anyway, they flew this particular aircraft to Toulouse without its paint scheme, and it's still there today, uh, but it seems that the issue has been found on a further 12 A350s from both the Dash 900 and Dash 1000 variant. So... On Thursday, Qatar Airways revealed that it had been given explicit written instructions from the Qatari Civil Aviation Authority to ground these 13 jets. And they're not going to be able to fly again until the cause of the accelerated service degradation is identified and a long-term fix is implemented. Oh, dear. And justifying it, Qatar said Qatar Airways said that the safety and security of its passengers was the main driver of the decision to ground the aircraft. And we can't criticise them on that because safety always has to come first. Of course. Um, and it's withdrawn A330s from storage to help with the gap that's created. But interestingly, it seems as though the problem is unique to Qatar Airways because no other carrier has come forward yet about the issue. And, um, EASA is the European Aviation um, Safety Agency. They're responsible for the A350's type authorization. So they've clearly been following the issue. So we went to them asking about the situation and they told us there is no indication that the paint and protection degradation affects the structure of the aircraft or induces other risks. And so EASA is not intending to take any action as state of design for the issue at this time. Um, So as a result of the Qatari Civil Aviation Authority's decision to ground the aircraft, EASA is seeking clarification as to whether the action is related to airworthiness issues and they're going to review any further information provided. But as for Airbus, they told us that talks with customers are confidential and that they have no further comment on the issue at this time.
1: Mm, Tight-lipped. It seems a bit odd that no other airline has had any issue. I mean, there's a lot of A350s Hmm. around. So that would suggest either, I don't know, maybe they just haven't found it or maybe it's something to do with the the paint process of the Qatar Airways livery, you know?
0: I've seen a lot of people sort of speculating about the heat of the Doha Desert on um places like Twitter and that but obviously I don't want to comment because I'm not an expert on carbon no. fiber airframes and um you know it's to speculate I feel is a bit too early at this point but we'll see yeah. how it unravels because clearly Qatar is uh, the Qatari Civil Aviation Authority is clearly worried about it grounding the type but um you know like if it was a serious issue for the type in general, us wouldn't be hanging back on grounding no. the
1: no the whole thing. fleet. No, exactly. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see how it turns out. But uh, mm. it well, certainly I mean, seems space. very Qatar specific at the moment, which is yeah. uh, confusing, <laughs> perplexing, yeah. I think. Um, but yes, yeah, we will watch this space for sure. So uh, while we're in the Middle East, I wanted to uh, just update on how things are going for Etihad. Um, now, you know, this is an airline that didn't go into COVID in a particularly strong position. Um, mm. You know, several years, consecutive years of losses. It was in the mid of a a huge transformation plan. Um, But actually, things are starting to get a bit better, which is great news. Um, So, they, uh, this week, revealed their um, uh, financial outcomes for the first half of 2021. Um, So, you know, things are definitely turning a corner. From the the lowest point of the pandemic slowdown, Etihad has now carried a million passengers in the first half of 2021. Um, And they said that every month, month on month, since it resumed flying in, July last year, it's been growing 10%. So, you know, it's like a steady kind of building up to the... That's really good
0: because a lot of airlines saw the sort of rapid recovery last summer and then everything came crashing down came crashing again. Crashing down
1: again. Yeah, no, they've been very measured in how mm. they've been applying their capacity. Um, you know, their, their overall capacity for the half was 16.4 billion available seat kilometres, um, mm. serving 67 destinations. Some of those are freight only at the moment. But, you know, it is very much not throwing capacity into the market when things are still so unsure. But the upside of this, because they've been so careful, is that actually they've reduced their losses by 50%, which is an Mm. incredible achievement. So, for the first half of 2020, they were looking at an $800 million uh, million loss. Um, This half, it was $400 million. So, still significant, but much better than it was last year. Um, So, that's partly been bolstered by their really busy cargo business. Um, so, you know, their, their passenger traffic was still struggling, uh, you can, as you can imagine. Um, they said their load factors were under 25%. So, <laughs> those are some very empty aircraft flying around. But cargo, on the other side, their freight operations were up by 44%. And because of the kind of bump in demand for cargo at the moment, their revenue is up 56%. So, this kind of offset the losses for their passenger flights. Um, and really, I think the big achievement for had was their amazing efforts to trim their costs. So, they shrank their operating costs by 27% year on year, um, while their fixed and financial costs dropped 22%. Um, And overall, not only has it cut its losses by half, it's managed to get back to its pre-pandemic liquidity position, which is really important, you know, because if things do change again going forward, um, it's going to need that financial cushion to fall back on. So, In terms of its fleet, you know, it's got 117 aircraft still on its books, although Etihad said it's only got 103. So, (laughs) I go on CH Aviation data and they say it's got 117, but uh, maybe Mm. some of them haven't been removed yet. However, there are only 64 aircraft active. And by the tone of their press release, I think they were saying that basically everything over and above those 64 is parked relatively long term, um, you know, until there's a dramatic shift in demand that is what they're going to be flying um Hmm. it's all about the 787 dreamliner the new a350s are yet to do any flying um of course i
0: I really want to see them
1: i know they look so nice (laughs) just (laughs) send them uh, to
0: frankfurt please
1: (laughs) i really think it's going to be a case of a significant change in demand before we'll see those coming back Um, But, um, you know, the airline's looking forward to a big kind of surge in demand. I think Tony Douglas's precise words were um, a tidal wave of demand waiting to be unleashed. Um, You know, so he's saying basically as soon as destinations are added to the green list in Abu Dhabi or the UAE travel corridors, they're seeing a three to six fold jump in bookings. So, you know, they're pointing their capacity at wherever they can fly. You'll remember they started services to Vienna fairly recently recently. because Hmm. it was on that travel corridor. So, uh, you know... I mean, it makes
0: sense to fly where people can go.
1: Exactly. And they've been massively ramping up capacity to the UK, which is great news, um, since we added them to their uh, to the amber list, which means you don't have to quarantine. But, you know, there's still some way to go. There are still new variants causing concern. There's no guarantee things won't change again. Um, but I really think, you know, for now, it's a pretty good result. It's the best we could mm. hope for for Etihad. Um, and it's good to hear their leadership team being quite positive on on the outlook, I believe.
0: Definitely, yeah.
1: So, uh, just to, to plug my webinar, if you oh, want yes. to <laughs> hear a bit more from Tony Douglas, the CEO of Etihad or the um, Group CEO, should I say? Um, do don't forget to register for our webinar on August thirty first, um, which will be at one pm London time, and it's of course free to register and attend.
0: Mm. Well, I will be there. And Thank you. <laughs> hopefully we might hear something about Etihad's A380s.
1: I hope so. And the A350s. I'm, I'm mm. planning to grill him on uh, all the things that we want to know the most.
0: <laughs> well, in the meantime, we've had a fair bit of A380 news from other airlines this week. So I just wanted ah, to briefly do a quick update <laughs> on the latest of each airline announcing changes. So let's start. Well, where else could we start? Let's start with British Airways. But they've had really big news regarding the type this week. So the airline signed to extend its A380 maintenance contract with Lufthansa Technic by at least five years. So that's going to go from August 2022, taking it out to 2027. And this means that the airline's Basically, going to continue flying its giants to Manila for heavy maintenance. So this is good news for a couple of reasons. Firstly, it shows that British Airways believes in the future of the Airbus A380. And you could argue that the airline just wants to ensure that it's going to be able to access the maintenance slots for the aircraft just in case. But with airlines retiring the air, the giant left, right, and centre, you know, maintenance slots are going to be likely f- uh, far from rare. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, even Lufthansa uh, isn't going to be flying its so own. An aircraft there, presumably, but more on that in a second. Um, so if there were reasonable doubt about whether the aircraft would return to the skies, it wouldn't make sense to lock in these lengthy contracts. Right. But secondly, it shows that the airline is likely planning to bring back its entire fleet of A380 aircraft because the statement released by Lufthansa Technik makes it explicitly clear that the agreement covers all 12 aircraft. And nice, again, nice. If decisions had already been made to, that a handful of planes are unlikely to return for service, it wouldn't make sense that the agreement covers all of them. No. So, speaking of Lufthansa Technic, it sounds more and more like they won't be involved in their own A380s anymore because the airline's CEO gave more damning commentary on the type this week. During the airline's Q2 results, he said, on the fleet, we'll be taking away nine sub-fleets over the next years. Um, And if you would rather confine that to long-range only, the A380 will obviously not come back.
1: Oh, sad news
0: sad news for me um, i mean not unexpected. One yeah, not, not unexpected yeah not unexpected but, but
1: uh, you know, they never really confirmed it so you know that's i mean a-
0: i still don't think it's confirmed but <laughs> he says they will not it. be
1: coming back i mean what else does that mean
0: <laughs> yeah i know i know but you know it's it's like a sort of unofficial they're definitely gone
1: yeah um
0: because yeah. i i still don't think there's been an official not like obviously the ceo is What he says is goes, but I I don't think they've officially said um, because on even on the fleet list that they released with their Q2 results, it still listed them as having fourteen A380s. Right,
1: right
0: um but finally on the a380 front it seems as though Singapore Airlines um, is getting slightly closer to returning them to service Hooray. so the airlines removed another a380 from desert storage in Alice Springs and it flew over to Sydney on July 28th with the gear down and then had a little bit of maintenance before heading to Singapore on the 30th with the gear up because after it's been stored for so long they've got to cycle the gear on the ground um, yeah because you don't want to put it up and then not be able to put it down again um, yeah right but they' haven't <laughs> got the facilities in Alice Springs to do that. So uh, I'd love to just see an A380 flying over Australia with the gear down. Um, <laughs> but Singapore Airlines told us that the movement is part of the ongoing management of our fleet, te- ensuring we remain nimble, flexible and prepared to deploy capacity to markets as the demand warrants. Fantastic.
1: So what do they do in Australia then, in uh, Sydney, when they want to check the gear? Do they have to support the A380 on some other, like a huge jack or something?
0: So what they do is they uh, make sure they're not doing what British Airways did with 787. Um, (laughs) I was just thinking about that. They they put it on um, jacks so it's slightly off the ground. They'll raise it up slightly, um, Mm -hmm. not much. um, And then the jacks will take the weight of the plane while the gear swings up and down again.
1: Those must be some pretty hefty jacks, I have to say.
0: (laughs) Mm, I believe um, there's an episode of... Dubai Ultimate Airport on Disney Plus that shows it. So I can't oh. tell you which one, but definitely worth a I Definitely not a plug. It out. No. But um, it's interesting <laughs> no, to watch. Not being
1: paid by Disney, although if they'd like <laughs> <I wish>. <laughs> to. <laughs> We're always here. <laughs> so moving from a very big plane to um, a slightly smaller plane, um cafe Pacific hasn't operated any narrow bodies since 1983. um hmm. Back then it had the Boeing 707, but of course all that has now changed. Um, after Cathay Dragon was absorbed into the parent airline at the end of 2020, um, the A321neos it had on order were going were now going to be diverted into the main Cathay Pacific fleet. Um, and this happened uh, just this week, this last week gone actually. So, uh, you know, it's kind of following in the trend of um, major airlines operating narrow-body aircraft, um, like Singapore Airlines with Still Care's 737 MAX. And I have to say, it's wonderful to see Cathay Pacific's livery on a narrow-body. It looks super cute. Um, mm. But I thought I'd have a quick rundown of what we can expect from this new um, narrow-body operation. So, we've, we've had four A321 NEOs already delivered to Cathay Pacific. Um, they're slated to get another two by the end of this year and 10 mm. more by the end of 2023. So the total fleet will be a 16 aircraft. Um, Now, although the A321neo does go a long way, it doesn't tend to, it's not planned to be used on kind of medium long haul stuff. It's going to be mainly sort of the regional operations for Cathay and kind of in partnership with Hong Kong Express. So the more budget conscious travellers will continue to fly with HK Express whereas the kind of mainline passengers that have maybe transferred through Hong Kong will get a connecting flight on the Cathay Pacific A321 Neos. So the very first A321neo flight for Cathay took off from Hong Kong to Shanghai Pudong on August the 4th. Um, It also did a rotation to Taipei later the same day. Um, So what what did passengers get inside this plane? Well, they've got 202 seats, which is fairly light for an A321. um, And that includes 12 in business class and 190 in economy. Um, But it's it's quite a
0: good business class.
1: It's not bad, actually. It's it's an all-new regional business class. Um, as I say, there's 12 seats up there, and it's a complete overhaul. It's kind of the same, but not the same as their previous regional business class. So, just like before, it's got a 2-2 layout, but there's much more... I
0: mean, more... anything better than Euro business is... Yeah.
1: <laughs> No, it's definitely proper business. There's only three rows, Mm. I think. Um, And, uh, you know, so it's a fairly small cabin. We are going to get lots of attention from the the flight attendants Mm. as well. Um, But, you know, it's got much more privacy and far superior materials and finishes. You know, it's gone with that Um, kind of leather finish rather than the cloth that was there before Um, and Mm. it's a hard shell recliner so passengers can get into the kind of it's not a full-life flat it is a lazy z sort of situation Um, but it means that it doesn't go back onto the passenger behind them you know the person behind Mm. maintains all of their space regardless of what the person in front's doing Um, and it's got this kind of big divider between the pairs of seats so if you are traveling solo you get a much more kind of business i don't know sweet experience even though you've still got someone climbing over you to get to the window seat but uh, you know considering these planes are mostly going to be doing two to four hour flights it's really good for a um mm. you know that sort of level of comfort on a fairly short flight um in terms of the economy class um it's actually the very same seat they used on the a350 uh so it's a in economy class seat that's designed for long haul um and well up to the job of short to medium-haul flights. Hmm. Um, And excitingly, it's the very first passenger plane in the world to offer 4K video on demand. So you've got um, 15.6-inch 4K screens in business and 11.6-inch 4K monitors in economy class. Um, and also they've gone for the Bluetooth headphone pairing. Hooray! Um, so they're like the second major airline to really take this up. Um, United mm. unveiled that they'd be offering personal Bluetooth headphone pairing on their narrowbody fleet um, as they're refurbishing the interiors. But so uh, yeah. the Cafe A321 Neos are being delivered with personal Bluetooth pairing. This is like the highest <laughs> passenger experience demand over the last five years has been yeah. to use their own headphones. You know, people just they invest a lot of money in their airpods or their beats or whatever it is and mm. they want to continue using them on the flight so you can yeah. do that on uh, on cafes narrowbodies um so what else is good it was the first aircraft to be line fitted with intel sats wi-fi product um so intel Sat took over gogo's commercial aviation arm um end of last year and this is kind of the big launch for them it's the two connectivity product so it's a really mm. good product um and it's the very first to be rolled out being fitted by airbus which you know it's a huge uh, huge mark for intel Sat, so good for them um but for passengers it means they get fast wi-fi unfortunately not free um I believe the cost ranges from about $10 for an hour to about $13 for the entire flight. So um, the entire flight is clearly the better version Mm. if you're on the plane for more than an hour. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so, at the moment, um, they're only serving four destinations on a sort of regular basis. They're all within Taiwan and the China mainland. Um, the shortest one is to Guangzhou, which is only 84 miles, um, but there's huge demand on that route. So, the, the bigger, the kind of narrow body plane will be full in both mm. directions, no doubt. Um, its top destination, however, will be Kaohsiung, which has almost 5,000 seats scheduled to the end of September. And it will also be doing rotations to Taipei and Qingdao. Um, so that's Cathay's A321 Neos. And if I ever get out of Europe, I am <laughs> would be delighted to have a go on one.
0: <laughs> well, hopefully later this year, we can meet up somewhere that's not Europe.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely.
0: So finally today, I just wanted to briefly touch a bit of dra- on a bit of drama in my backyard last week. And it's about a United Airlines flight that left from Frankfurt around an hour late. So on the surface, this story sounds pretty dull, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. And a flight was delayed by an hour. It's hardly breaking news, Tom. Yeah.
0: What if I told you that a hand grenade delayed the flight?
1: Oh, I'm more interested now.
0: <laughs> Yeah. So at roughly um, 5.15, an employee x-raying checked baggage noticed something odd inside the bag. So he called uh, the federal police and the item looked like a hand grenade on the x-ray. So obviously there was (laughs) a full police response to this. They closed off a large part of the baggage screening area and specialist colleagues um, trained to deal with explosive threats came in. Uh, Meanwhile, the police called up the flight because it was um, United Airlines flight 814 and it had already left the gate area at 5.20 and started taxiing to the runway. Um, So at 5.40, the aircraft stopped on a remote stand because the federal police um, told the captain of the incident and said uh, requested they didn't take off. So eventually they sort of found this hand grenade and thankfully it wasn't at risk of exploding. Um, The police said that they'd examined it and it had been It was a real hand grenade, but it had been deactivated to allow for it to be placed on a steampunk sculpture. Um, (laughs) So there was never any damage, but obviously safety first. Um, Yeah. What I find really interesting about this is that the 56 year old American responsible for the suitcase was sat on the plane the whole time that it wasn't going anywhere, blissfully unaware that this hour long delay was because of him. The flight finally left the remote stand at 6.26 and took off around um, 6.47, so around 85 minutes after its scheduled departure, but um, it made up some time in the air and landed around an hour late. Um, Obviously, the bag didn't make it onto the flight and travelled on a later flight. I'm unsure whether they let the sculpture travel on it or not, um, (laughs) but um, it's, it's... a really interesting sculpture actually, so I definitely recommend checking it out. <laughs> yeah, check it out flying. on Simple
1: Flying. It's very unusual and uh, yeah, You mean, know, I... my husband loves a bit of steampunk, but uh, hmm. I'm sure even he wouldn't be silly enough to get on a plane with that.
0: <laughs> yeah, well I mean it just must have like been not thinking because I can't see how you could genuinely get on a plane with uh, even a fake hand grenade, you know?
1: No, I I guess he just wasn't thinking, bless him. Maybe he's missed flying and just forgot. (laughs) Mm. Well, I think that's about all we've got time for today. We hope you enjoyed our podcast and welcome your feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com.
0: For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying.
1: If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave us a rating on your favourite podcast player.